the Evolved Succeed podcast where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Ollie Phillips, former England Rugby Sevens captain, and in 2009, he was crowned World Rugby Sevens Player of the Year. He is England's most ever successful Sevens captain, and he also pursued a career in the full 15s game with clubs in England and France. Since his retirement, which was due to injury, Ollie's volunteer work as a charity ambassador has taken him on several adventures and including around the world yacht race, a cycle across America, playing rugby at the North Pole and also climbing Everest. He is now a corporate director at PwC and in 2018 he founded Optimist Performance, a business coaching and leadership company. I've always been curious about that link between elite and professional sports and business. To succeed in either requires high levels of skill, self-belief and resilience. And I'm especially interested in hearing from Ollie about the psychology behind leading a national team. It takes a special character to deal with that enormous responsibility and the pressure involved in that. And it's that and these aspects of leadership as well as that transition from the sports world to the business world that form a significant part of my conversation with Ollie. So in today's podcast, Ollie talks openly about how he views his success as England rugby captain. Maybe I'm doing myself a disservice, but I would say it was a lot of luck, right? It just happened to be like the most talented group of players all at one time, playing some of the most phenomenal rugby we've ever played, all coming into the prime of our careers. And I was given the armband. Discusses the differences between leading a sports team and leading a business. In a business, you go out, you perform, you do whatever it is in your business. And business, you don't know what happens for six months, two years as to whether or not a decision has been a good one. In sport, you're really fortunate that you get immediate feedback. And reflects on how COVID has made us more aware of the importance of community and shared experience. How can I help you get what you need? Because right? I'm going to take so much more satisfaction in seeing you like absolutely succeed because actually the reciprocal value that comes back to me is like 10x on that anyway. So if you want to learn more about Evolve and the services that we offer, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Ollie, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks, Warren. Good to be here, mate. Lovely jubbly. Yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast. I suppose I'm going to kick off with a bit of the got to start with the rugby really and you know for somebody that's captain england at rugby seventh level and being world rugby player of the year in 2009 it'd be wrong not to start with the elite sport and the rugby kind of side of things i suppose for you know the normal of us in society we perhaps don't reach the pinnacle of our passion and our sport so what did it really feel like to reach that pinnacle and you know what did it take to do that oh wow i mean straight off the bat um from a personal level, it felt incredible. Obviously, it was you know it was a great honour and accolade and whatever to, to sort of be you know, recognised by that. It, you get voted for as the best player in the world by all the other 
opposition coaches. So you're obviously sort of playing well if you're, you know, if, if yeah. they're all saying you are. But, but in all honesty, and and um, yeah, I'm fortunate enough that I got to play that you know the game of rugby that I love for for best part of twelve years, and all of those whatever accolades or successes, whatever, whether they be personal or collective, they weren't really possible without a, you know, the team, right? So. Now that sounds a bit cheesy and, and maybe a bit sort of almost like on brand, but it, it's genuinely true. Like there's no way, and I would be honest, like in my England squad, I was definitely not the most talented player or the most skillful player. Definitely not. But I guess I, you know, my skill set was just to be that sort of person in the middle that was a bit of a linchpin. I mean, I could play, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I could play with a ball in my hand. <laughs> but I, I was the person in the middle that just sort of helped bring everyone together and try and try to help everyone else sort of excel and fulfill their own potential. And we had some just mercurial talent, like unbelievable talent, like the likes of Tom Vandale or Tom Biggs, Matt Tate, all these sorts of like unbelievably talented mm. rugby players. And you know, the, the award or recognition of like best player in the world was amazing and it felt brilliant and, and I was obviously immensely proud and it, you know, the, the trophy sits proudly on the shelf, but in reality, it, it, it was more a sort of recognition or a, a symbol of all the hard work and the, like gratitude that I had towards my other teammates. Cause that came about because we actually were the best team in the world at that point. Yeah. England were like number one side in the world. We were the best on the field get at any given point and on our day, nobody could beat us. And that was an incredible experience like an incredible thing to be part of to know that you were the best in the world at what you were doing mm. collectively right i don't mean that individually i mean collectively collectively as a team yeah and and to have that spirit as a team that's even harder i think to to do to do and i loved it it was just an amazing experience some brilliant people and i'm just grateful that i just happened to be around and fortunate enough to be sort of in the mixer at that point in time because um, they don't, have, it doesn't happen very often, right? Your teams go through cycles, and mm. and at that point in life, it in time, it was our moment. My God, it was brilliant, brilliant, fantastic. And I suppose you've alluded to it there that you felt like you were the conduit that helped bring it all together. That leadership piece, you know, hence the captaincy and all of those kind of things. And it, do you think those leadership skills were always inherent in you, or do you think it was something you developed as your playing career developed? Oh, definitely something I developed, 100%. The leader that I was with England, now on reflection, was a pretty immature one, to be honest with you. Okay. That's an honest response. So why were you an immature leader at that point? Because uh, if I'm honest with you, I know this sounds like ridiculous again and a bit trite, but it's pretty easy to lead your country, right? Because <laughs> everyone's the same age, everyone's the same sex, everyone's the same marital status, Everyone's got the same sort of aspirations as a you know professional yeah. rugby player to play for their country. Everybody wants to give everything they possibly can for their country. So, and you've also got this carrot of then playing on like World Series, World Cups, you know, the biggest sporting spectacles mm -hmm. going, right? So when somebody then says, look, could you sort of lead this group of people? You know, obviously at the time I was like, wow, a huge accolade, which it is. I mean, it definitely was, yeah. it still is, but... It was. I mean, I could have said, "Look, fellas, all jump out the window, head first. Probably half of them would do it, right? And yeah. wasn't it? Come with me. Come with me. <laughs> come with me uh, kind of thing. Or you know, 
for the good of the country or for the good of us winning, you know, we need to stand on our head for four hours. They just would do it without any questions asked, right? So yeah. So that wasn't really leadership for me. Like leadership for me is about influence, it's about support, it's about direction, strategy, you know, really taking time and investing time into understanding how to optimize the performance of everyone around you, get the best of the people around you, really encourage others to flourish. And obviously we did that, right? But, you know, I would say, maybe I'm doing myself a disservice, but I would say it was a lot of luck, right? It just happened to be like the most talented group of players all at one time, playing some of the most phenomenal rugby we've ever played, all coming into the prime of our careers. And I was given the armband. You know, I was given the armband, yeah. I'll say. And I don't know, I did apply a few things that I loved. Like I, I, was, I was sort of, at that point, really getting into my... Jim Rowan, Anthony Robbins, Stephen Stephen Covey, doing yeah. quite a lot of reading around that, around how to sort of enhance personal you know, behavior, personality traits, talent, culture, all that sort of stuff. But I was still in my infancy in terms of my understanding and my knowledge bank of that. So, yeah, I would say your question, you can definitely, I think, learn and evolve as a leader as you go. Yeah, I think we all do, don't we? I think it's one of the things that can go wrong when you're running a business or you're leading a team is that you get to that point where you think you know it all and you stop developing yourself and you stop you stop your own journey and actually that stunts the growth of those around you as well. Yeah, do yeah, you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think um, I think probably one of the biggest fallacies that I had when I was playing rugby was that I thought being a leader was, you know, I had to be the best the fittest the strongest the most knowledgeable i i needed to know all the answers like i don't that was probably my mistake around like mm. okay that's my you know as a leader you you know you need to shout the loudest and that's definitely not like that is a hundred percent and i learned the hard way on um on one of my england experiences I, it still lives with me to this day but we, you know we had a um we were number one side in the world. We were the best in the world. And we went to go and win the World Cup. And we basically should have won the World Cup. We were in the quarterfinals. We just watched all the other best three teams go out. So we watched New Zealand, South Africa, Fiji all crash out in the, the quarterfinals. So if you're going to like yeah. write a script to win a World Cup, that was it. You're like, wow, everyone's just gone. It's there for the taking. <laughs> we literally had Argentina left. Who, Argentina and Wales, who were like... 13th and 15th ranked side in the world we had Samoa who were ninth or something like that like no one no one was left that was that was I mean this is doing them a disservice right but but it was remotely capable or credible to compete with us in at, at our level given our sort of on our standard at where we were at that point in time and we choked we choked in the semi-final we just I think we got overawed by the whole thing a bit sort of, I believed in the opportunity, right? Saw these three teams go out and mm. thought we'd won it before we'd actually turned up and done the deed on the on the field. And afterwards, I I just let emotion totally rule my decision making, like how I spoke to everybody in the in the team, and it still lives with me to this day because because I really sort of betrayed myself. I let myself down from my leadership capability at that point in time. I was so emotionally devastated. And the fact that we just cocked this whole situation up. And then the team, like, you know, huddle at the end. I just sort of just let all that emotion pour out. I was like, you've let yourselves down, your family down. We should be ashamed of ourselves. You know, it's disgraceful how we've performed. I was like, that wasn't leadership, right? That's not leadership. Yeah. That's just moaning. 
And and that sits with me to this day of like, ah, I wish. Now, if I could turn back the clock, obviously, if I could turn back the clock, I'd turn back it even further to the start of that game, make sure we'd got it right. But, <laughs> but you know, for my leadership, but, it was a good one. It was a really, it was a painful one, but it was a, it was a good one for me to go through in terms of like, leadership is all about, is also about consistency, right? Being yeah. true to your values and your, and how you treat people and how you represent yourself and how you talk to people. And you've totally undermined yourself there. You've totally sort of betrayed all the values, all the things that you sort of extol and have exuded that got us to number one team in the world in the first place. Yeah. I was just was really disappointed. I'm just disappointed about the result, but long on, I was really disappointed about that. But we all, you know, I could recall, we could all recall lessons. I mean, hindsight typically only kicks you in the teeth, doesn't it? But it's how you respond and learn and reflect from those situations and how you become a better individual going forward, isn't it? Yeah, 100%, right? And um, one of the biggest learnings that I had from that was that whatever the scenario was or is, just pause, take the time to sort of think and reflect because nothing I could say in that moment was going to change anything. Like we'd lost. There's no yeah. way you're not going to suddenly come back to us and say, Oh no, you get another crack and you know, Oh, sorry, Samoa have pulled out or whatever else. So we'd lost. So the, so the end result was that, but what I did basically undermined the whole values, you know, value mm. set of, you know, of the organization of the team. And that did more damage than, you know, a loss to Samoa or whatever else. Like that. Yeah. So, so, you know, it, it was about, Look, you need to pause, reflect, think. How do we try and make this a positive? You know, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. You know, today's the present. That's why they call it a gift. So let's sort of celebrate the opportunity and be grateful for like, okay, what can we do to to make yeah. amends this? How do we learn from this, get better from this, grow as individuals, all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, so there's one, there's a learning out of it at the end of it. So... Obviously, that successful career with England Rugby Sevens went in, had a club career as well, but ultimately was forced out of the game through injury. You know, before probably a time when you'd wanted to have retired from the game. I mean, how do you, how did you cope with that? That must be mentally tough. Yeah, I think you know. Um, I mean, it was. I'm, I'm, without any doubt, it was personally devastating. Like one of the biggest. Because it was all I ever identified with. It was, you know, it was who I was. It, it was my personality. It was, it was everything about me was a rugby player. Yeah. So dealing with that sort of stark realization of like everything that I've known, everything that I associate myself to, is now no longer there. <laughs> and not just from that, but everything that I channel my energy towards, all my focus was at being, you know optimizing my own performance so that I could be the fittest, strongest, most skillful, da da da. And then equally I was so I didn't realise at the time, but after I was grateful for the structure that that sport brought me, right? Every day, turn up, train as hard as you possibly can, try and give yourself those extra one percent differentiators, but all within a sort of construct and a framework whereby everything's there to support you, right? I mean managers, physios, coaches, whatever, right? It's all there. And then suddenly it all goes. Hmm. It all goes. Your whole structure, your whole discipline, your whole way of life. Yeah, everything goes. goes. Equally, a whole sort of sense of, you know, validation and recognition and understanding. Bear in mind, sport is cyclical. Every week you train, you get to the Saturday, you go out, you perform, 
You know, so in a, in a business, you go out, you perform, you do whatever it is in your business. Now, in business, you don't know what happens for six months, two years as to whether or not a decision has been a good one. In sport, you're really fortunate that you get immediate feedback. Yeah, the outcome is there, isn't it? It's clear and it's clarity. And it's clear as day, right? Was that a good pass? Was that a bad pass, right? And then within 80 minutes, you find out immediate feedback whether basically you've won or lost. And then you get to, actually, then you get the benefit of like, you get to go all over again. A week later, you get yeah. a week, try and make it right, and you go all over again. And I really miss that. I really, really miss that structure and that process and equally that feedback loop that I would get. And and then also all the other bits that sort of inflated your ego just added yeah. the icing on the cake. You know, 80,000 people or 10,000 people on a weekend screaming and cheering your name or jeering your name, whichever one it was. Like, <laughs> and, you know, and it was addictive, right? It was an addictive environment yeah. to be a part of that. And, and it was so clear, like it was really, really clear. And, you know, the ambiguity just didn't last long, right? You knew whether you'd done something right or wrong. Whereas in you know, transitioning into my new environment, which I didn't really know what it was going to be, right? I, I had no idea what my new job was going to be, how I could apply my skills to, to it or whatever else. But equally, that was so ambiguous. Like I just yeah. had no idea as to what what good looked like, what, how I could apply myself to those sort of skill sets, how I could get feedback. Just all, all of it was a, like just wandering around in the dark. And have you built that discipline and structure into your life now? Do you think you've taken those lessons from kind of being a professional sports person into business? Or do you think you've settled into the flow of, of life generally? No, no, I think, well, I think you have to, it's a bit of quid pro quo, right? right? You you accept the status quo to a certain degree. Of like, okay, well, I can't get immediate feedback. Like, I mean, I can make this yeah. decision to say, look, Warren, that's a great idea. Let's go and invest X amount of money into that project. But it's not under the same parameters as playing sport. I, I, I'm going to have to wait. I have to wait. It takes, hmm. I know, if you're going to like, let's go and build that house. Well, it's going to take six months to build this house. And I, and I can, only then we'll be able to tell you if it's, if the house looks nice, if it you know, sells well or whatever, right? So, so it's you had to develop a little bit of patience around stuff. Okay. Um, and then I think the hardest part for me was more identifying what like, what my true value was, like what my what like I was very very clear. If you artic- if you said to me when I was a rugby player, what's your super strengths? I could articulate them to you very very well. I knew what I was really really good at, and I knew what I wasn't so good at. And then yeah. I just play to all my strengths, right? Coming into a new environment, and I didn't, a, didn't know what that environment was going to be, but you know, it's, it ended up being PwC. So I've used that as an example, right? Going into PwC, I was like, I was sitting in tax, so I was like, well, I don't know anything about tax. I thought I know I've got to pay it, and that's about it, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I've paid it over the years, but what happens now? Yeah. Truth be told, <laughs> I'm not that interested in it. So actually how can I apply myself to this? Like, how can I actually sort of gain credibility when in my previous role as a sportsman, I was the best in the world. Now I, I, I you give me a ball, yeah. ask me to hit a certain target. I could hit it from 10, 15, 20 meters away. Give me, give me a ball. Ask me to kick certain things or do something like I was, um, I mean, I, I, but I was an expert in my job, right? I was, I was very specific. I was a winger and you know, I had a real, role job function that i could articulate i knew exactly what good looked like coming into this new environment you know i had no yeah. credibility no skill set 
I was coming to be a generalist rather than a specialist, just a total role reversal. And doing some research for the podcast, I actually came across an interesting article that you um, appeared in, which is a Telegraph article that talks about you suffering from that kind of imposter syndrome, yeah, which yeah. is you know, really what we're relating to and talking to now. And that's a lot, that can be an issue for a lot of successful people that look back and think, you know, why am I here? And, and that inner voice is kind of the one that lacks the confidence compared to the outer voice that's leading the way. So how do you think you've overcome that kind of imposter syndrome? And what advice would you give to people that are prone to it? Yeah, you know, what? I think I actually heard an interesting stat there that we get 80,000 thoughts a day that we have. Mm. And apparently of those 80,000, 90,000, percent of those have negative connotations or negative energy surrounding them all so of your eighty thousand in a day 90 percent of them are geared towards sort of a, a negative connotation of some sort so only 10 percent is geared towards it so only eight thousand of your thoughts every day are actually like progressive Can and move you forward yeah <laughs> so that was quite an interesting i mean it's obviously not as specific as that but you know i'm sure some people have seventy thousand and others have a hundred thousand in a day or whatever yeah. else but as as a, as a general rule of thumb, I found that fascinating. And for me, I think, you know, I don't think you ever solve it, right? Because part of the beauty of, you know, life or this whole experience is doing things that you aren't necessarily familiar with and that do push you outside your comfort zone so that you get to explore new things and you get to learn new things, right? Because like, that's the only way really you grow is if you experience mm. new things and learn new things. So, there, there comes a certain level of uneasiness or uns, uncertainty with that right, as you progress through it. And then there's that beautiful feeling, harmonious feeling, where you get to the point where you're like, oh, I feel confident enough. And the, you know, the, the best likening I can give to that is probably learning a language. Like I remember I had this, okay. when I went to, so I signed for Stade Francais in Paris. I went to live in France and I really wanted to learn the language. And I remember for the first sort of six months being, like trying desperately, but just not being very confident of speaking the language because I just didn't know it. I just didn't understand it. I, couldn't, <laughs> you know, I was trying the to nuances teach. of it. Yeah. Yeah. All the new, just anything. So, and then you get those moments where I remember there was one player that, you know, every day I was really trying to practice my French. So every day I basically ask him to the limits of what I could around how was he? How's his family? How's his wife? Like, how are his kids? All this sort of stuff. And I'll ask it every day. And after about three months, he's like, Ollie, look, don't mean to be rude, mate, but in French, obviously, saying, but. Like, why do you keep asking me about my kids and my wife? Like, have you got an interest in my wife and my kids? Like, uh, and, I, and I was like, well, no, it's nothing to do. I just, I've got nothing else. Like, I, I don't have anything else in my vocab. I can't go any further. <laughs> but that sort of like uneasiness of like, oh my God, this bloke now thinks I'm interested in his wife and his kids and I'm not, but I just, I can't express myself properly. And then suddenly I can't explain why, how, what happened. But after six months, I remember I went to bed one evening and I woke and I put my head on the pillow and I went, I get it. I get it. I understand the language. And from that point on, I just went like that. Boom. I just flew it. Okay. I can't explain it. It was miraculous. It was amazing. But the scent, the new lease of life that I had because of the confidence that I had in my ability to express myself through the, the, this language, this new language that I'd learned was liberating. And I think that comes in that learning journey. But yeah. it's beautiful in the buildup because as human beings, we don't like to feel vulnerable we don't like to feel fallible right it's 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 not a comfortable emotion for we hide us. from those feelings most of the time yeah. don't we? everyone likes to feel good right no one likes to feel uncertain yeah. or anxious or vulnerable so to be able to manage through that 
grey is is commendable and it's the challenge. And I think that's why, well, certainly for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but my experience in, in the working world was, I don't know what anybody's talking around here. I'm surrounded by everybody else that seems to know what they're talking about and actually knows much more than me. And yet I'm meant to be giving a point of difference or point of view on something that I really am not that comfortable about or don't know that much about. And there was no real easy way or quick fix or silver bullet or whatever for me to to get that right and uh, and that, that yeah. and as a result that you know every meeting that i was in i was you know had that imposter syndrome feeling of like well i don't really belong here like i i can't i can't add any value I, I i don't know what to do and i think it's you know the important thing then is all around actually the um you know the ability to the ability to embrace the opportunity that you can surround yourself with amazing yeah. people people that are be- better than you and other stuff and you actually feel lib if you like you feel liberated more by not being the smartest person in the room but just being surrounded by this wealth of knowledge and input that you can feed off and learn from and i suppose that's fundamentally what you know you i suppose you would describe i describe as having a kind of growth mindset isn't it is that ability to want to seek seek new things learn new things develop as an individual and and to be that sponge and then apply it and not just do it for the academic sake of learning something, but the application of it for the greater good of your organisation, for you as you're an individual or for your family. Do you agree, Ollie? Yeah, and, and and being, you know, I guess courageous enough to to appreciate that and 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 accept that. Okay, actually, for me to get fulfilment and for me to properly grow and evolve and whatever else, I need to constantly be putting myself into an environment or a a state of uneasiness like where i do feel a bit vulnerable where i do feel a bit exposed where i do feel a bit anxious about the direction of travel but seeking i guess comfort and clarity in the fact that you've built enough competency that you you know that it's not going to totally crucify you and then at the same time having the confidence in the people around you that they've got your back right and then that's beauty and the the value of a a team or of a community that that, the, you know, that this sense of higher achievement, because I think, I think there are so many, the world is fill, filled with so many people that have got this huge drive to, to achieve. And then when they do it and if they've done it all on their own, it's the most unfulfilling thing in the planet. Yeah. They, you talk to people that have done that and been on that journey and they feel lonely when they get there. I mean, yeah. uh, well, I don't have anyone to share this with. I don't know. Equally, this is all I now know. I don't know anything else. I can't I can't really pivot or go anywhere else. And I've been so blinkered in doing what you know what I want and what I need. Actually I can't I don't know how to manage this now. I don't know I, I don't know where else to go next. And do you think that kind of mindset you've got that we've sort of spoken about for the last five, ten minutes is the reason you've done some of the challenges that you've done? You know, you've you've done the clipper around the world yacht race, you've trekked across the Arctic, you've played rugby in the Arctic, I understand. You've done something that I really want to do, which is the Ride Across America Challenge, and you've uh, climbed Everest. So do you think, is that you pushing yourself when you seek out those challenges? I mean, that's um, a phenomenal list of things to have achieved, but why, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, great question. I think, well, truth be told, for me, those things are probably easier than doing my job at PwC because okay. all that those things require... I mean, this is probably downplaying them a bit, right? But but in general, you know, those things require mental fortitude, physical fortitude, you know, an emotional sort of like dedication or whatever. Like basically 
keep walking and you know dig in kind of thing you know within within a modicum of sort of sense right but okay like everybody's knackered we need to get a sail up on deck the sail's bloody heavy wow ollie you're like really strong blah 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 and everyone's you know so in that environment i could excel right because it was my comfort zone of okay i couldn't sail i didn't know how to sail i didn't have any skill set but the moment that somebody excuse the pun but like showed me the ropes yeah i could pull it faster than most or i could lift more than most right so i had a point of difference already in that environment which was physical because of my background in sport so yeah, that already gave me a point of difference, a, a leg up, if you like, in the in that environment. So, if anything, they were that was an easier thing for me to sort of transition into, and I enjoyed having that sort of challenge. You know, I enjoy. I mi- I missed the comp. I mean, there's no competitive. There wasn't like a, a race up these things. I mean, there was obviously in certain of them, like race across America or the Clipper race. So, but I just enjoyed the the sense of achievement. Right? You know, can we get to the top of Everest. Can we set a world record on Mount Everest? Can we set a world record on at the North Pole or whatever else? I mean, yes, we can. Wow, we did it. Yeah. But but the real sense of achievement and the thing I love the most was actually just doing it as a collective, like the community. I, I I'm not one of those people that wants to go sort you know sit in an igloo for fifty days on their own and whatever else. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, for me, all these amazing experiences, just like my rugby ones, have all been made special because of the fact that I can five years 10 years 15 20 years down the line see one member or all those members that i did whatever that thing is and say do you remember that time that we did whatever it was you know yeah. i can see warren and be like hey do you remember that time we did our podcast together and it was like yeah. you've got a shared story and a shared narrative so it doesn't matter how big or how small it is there is that shared experience and for me and i think for most human beings and i think covid's made everybody realize this is it's the thing we miss the most is that human interaction, shared experience, creating memories, yeah. stories? You know, because people can still do operationally all the same things that they did before. Like they can make decisions, invest money, blah 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 blah. But they're doing it all on their own to yeah. a certain degree, right? But what they miss yeah. the most is that sort of like Warren sitting across the room and giving them a bit of stick and like bouncing an idea off it and saying, "Oh, do you remember yeah. when we went for a run and you beat your PB?" And like that's the the unique part of the adventures and of life that I love and you know, I, I'm missing right now, but, but the reason why I did all those things in the first place. Yeah. It's true. Isn't it? I never stopped to think about it, but it's just, I kind of pausing now because life is about those shared experiences, isn't it? That's how you build relationships. That's how you build true relationships that last the spirit of time, isn't it? And it'd be that doing a challenge, be it in a hobby, be it with your family, but also be it in business. That when yeah, you look back, yeah, yeah, and you look back at your successes and all the things that I've achieved in it as a career, as in business, would be nothing without the people on the team that I did it with. And cool. how often do you yeah. reconnect with somebody like you say and go, "Do you know? Do you remember when we won that national award? Yeah, or do you remember when we won that client, or we helped that client sell their business? And you know, and wasn't it a great feeling? And but when you do it on your own, it hasn't got the same spirit or feeling, has it? Well, you know, not because you sit down and go, oh, there's this one time when I was on my own and I was like, oh. When I was Billy No Mate. Yeah. It already sounds dull, right? It could be the best story you've ever heard in your life, right? But it already sounds dull because there's no one you've done it with, right? So there's no personalities or people you can relate to. And I don't don't know. 
some people would be sitting on listening to this going, absolutely not. I love it on my own. But I think what there's been a real realization of over the last, it's, you know, slowly, but COVID's really accelerated it is that we've all been so focused on like building our own castles and hmm. everything sort of like, you know, just go, 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 go. That we didn't really appreciate actually the value of community and shared stories and shared experiences and whatever else. And I think my hunch now is that in business and everywhere, right, that the the importance of community and sharing and, and you know, that's almost servant leadership, right? How can I help you get what you need, right? Because I'm going to take so much more satisfaction in seeing you, like, absolutely succeed because actually the reciprocal value that comes back to me is like 10x on that anyway, right? So, I, and, and I think it's the one thing that's been missing from everybody's lives. I think it's going to be one thing that they want to do more. Like I just want to see you. I want to say hello. I want to hang around with you. I want stories. So tell me what I can do to help you. Like, And I think that could be an amazing thing that comes out of this whole. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the thing I'm missing most. And I think you'll probably relate to it is that I feel like I'm frustrated because I'm managing and leading my businesses right now and my teams and people I love in those teams from behind a laptop and that's yeah. not me i'm a heart on the sleeves kind of person i want to see people i want to interact and on a bad day that really gets me down because all yeah. you're doing it feels it like is even the biggest extrovert extroverts who you know don't like that i think are even starting to realize you know what i mean i don't want to be around everyone all the time but i, I would love to sort of just see someone some you know, interaction yeah. once a week or something like i really do miss that part and you know, you're just yeah Depends where you are on that spectrum in terms of like the ultimate extrovert or the ultimate introvert, right? But I think, but I think, um, human beings react and respond to other people, right? Other people and other emotions. And I think that's what I love. That's luckily, that's really, I'm really interested in that. So that, that's what makes me buzz. So obviously things are a little relentless at the moment. We kind of touched on that. You know, it's, it's, life is slightly different. Have you got any tips on? how to stay positive and productive in this kind of environment that we're in right now? Um, yeah, I think it's a natural human reaction. Right? And I, I'm fallen victim of it myself of, you know, putting loads and loads of pressure on yourself around like, Oh, I can't waste this opportunity. And I've, it's, you know, I've got to, I don't know, I need to learn like five different languages or I need to come away with this, having like reflected back thinking, look, all these things that I did proactively in my downtime or whatever. And that's mm. awesome. Like, if you do do that, that's great. But you don't have to do that. Like, you don't, yeah. It's not like a, just because there's been a, like, I don't think there's a written rule that every time there's a global pandemic, you have to come away you know, bilingual in 15 different languages, <laughs> like computer code or something like that, right? So I think that's the first part. It's like, don't put yourself on under un, unnecessary un, undue pressure. The second part for me is probably the more personal one that I try and live by all the time and I and occasionally I have my odd wobble right but I try and wake up every morning and just be grateful for like mm. what what I've got you know so yes I can't see my friends or I can't go into work or I don't know whatever right? I can't I can't I can't I can't the world is filled with I can't right but yeah. actually the things that I am really grateful for is that I can actually wake up and lie in bed till half past eight if I want and that means that I can see my two kids that are two and one. And I've actually managed yeah. to be like how amazing that they've grown up and been friends together. And I've, I was here when my one-year-old walked for the first time, like 
you know, I'm grateful for all those times, those little five minutes when my daughter probably will in a minute burst in the door. All <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so, you know, I'm grateful for all these opportunities that you know I've got. And I, the process that I go through is I try and wake up every morning and take two minutes or one minute, or whatever. And I just lie there and say, this is what I'm grateful for today. But it sets my mindset in the framework of like a, a positive framework of, well, I'm already grateful i've got gratitude shown for something whatever it is i'm grateful that i can have a sausage sandwich today right it doesn't it can be as small or as big as, as it needs to be but from a mindset perspective it puts me in the right the first step forward is a positive one rather than worrying and stressing about everything that yeah i'm missing you, out you'd like to say you're starting it on a front foot rather than with this kind of yeah negative mindset and and kind of with the problem Smiling around your head. Well, two bits of advice would be try and verbally confirm and affirm with yourself every day what what you're grateful for. And the second part would be try not to put too much pressure on yourselves to 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 do like a million different things all at one time. You know, just try yeah. and focus on one or two things that'd be really great. That, that if they came off, it'd be awesome. And if they don't, well, they don't. It doesn't yeah. matter. I'm not going to not like you just because you haven't learned to speak French or. <laughs> I liked you just the same beforehand. Brilliant, Ronnie. I can't speak French, so that's good. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I keep using French as an example. But... <laughs> so I'm going to end with a couple of questions. One is a selfish one, so sorry, listeners. Is I alluded to it just now. I've got on my kind of to-do list in 2022, 2023 is as a team, do the Ride Across America kind of challenge. So from coast to coast. So just for me... What are the three things, three tips you'd give me that I need to take away if I'm going to do that challenge? Take a lot of bum cream. (laughs) That would be the very first thing I'd say. Take that one. It's the most amazing experience I ever did. Out of all my adventures, it's probably because I did it with my wife as well, but but it was... Oh, wow. Brilliant. It was the best. It was the absolute best. I can't describe to you how incredible an experience it is, so you will love every minute of it. And that would be my second bit of advice would be make sure, because there are some really tough moments, right, where you're knackered and the last thing you want to do at like three in the morning is get back on your bike and start cycling or whatever. Try and deploy that same piece of like the gratitude piece. Just sort of look around, look what you're doing, and just appreciate the magnitude and the extraordinary feat that you're involved in. Some of the sights and some of the things that happen are just, out of this honestly out of this world like and if you want any tips around that or strategy i know loads of people that can help put all put it together for you so like that number two and then number three would be obviously there's a core group of you that will be cycling whether you do it as a solo or you do it as an eight whatever it is right yeah. but there's a core group of cyclists but it is a real team effort you need the navigators you need the strategists you need the chefs you need everybody that pulls together to make sure everybody is appreciated, if that makes sense. Because it, yeah, I'll be it's honest, a team. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's not about the cyclists. The cyclists have actually got the easiest job because yeah. all they need to do is get up and start pedaling. Everyone else needs to get up, even though they're knackered, and start buttering sandwiches and making beds and filling water bottles and planning routes and driving yeah. at snail's pace, which you think is really fast, but they're you know they're driving <laughs> fifteen mile an hour, twenty mile an hour, whatever it is. So. You know, it's making sure that every single moment you recognize and support everyone around you. 
because of what they're Brilliant. doing and the contributions that they're making. And I think that would resonate. Forget Ram, but you know what you do. Anything in life, yeah. What you do now, right? There, there's always going to be people that are sort of more front and center. But yeah, it's like the old NASA. Yeah, it's a favorite quote, isn't it? The old janitor in at NASA when they said, "Oh, what are you doing cleaning the toilets?" He said, "No, I'm not. I'm putting them, putting a man on the moon." Uh, it's an amazing story, right? But but it's true. Like, how do you make sure you create that environment that everybody feels valued and and a contributor towards the end goal, right? Which is going across Europe. Yeah, brilliant. Great third tip there to apply to life in general. So my final question for you, Ollie, is given everything you've been through and everything you've achieved, both in a sports world and now from a business perspective and the challenges, what's your own personal definition of success? Being at ease with yourself. I know that sounds like ridiculous, but um, I've I've been constantly sort of like, I don't know, probably in my 20s and early 30s, like looking around me and worrying about what everyone else has got and trying to achieve more and be more, do more, earn more, win more, 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 right? And it never brought me any more happiness. It just brought me more stress, right, if anything yeah. else, more worry, more more anxiety, whatever else. So don't get me wrong, there's – there's amazing sense of achievement and setting yourself a target and a goal and achieving it and reaching that end target. And that whether that's cycling across America, earning a million quid or being there for your kid's birthday party, right? Like, yeah. It doesn't matter whatever it is, right? But, but just make sure that whatever you're doing is really in tune and it's giving you fulfillment. So that when you lie down for your final breath, you, know, you look back and you go, you know what? Out of all those however many thousands of hours I've had in my life that I could invest in certain areas, and it's the only commodity that runs out, like, actually, you know what? I'm pretty chuffed with with where I've invested. Like, it fitted exactly with my values, my purpose. It made me feel brilliant. And there's so many people that, you know, we hear from who reflect on it and going, oh, just, you know, I wish, you know, I've got a broken home, broken marriage, or whatever else it might be because all I was focused on was this and, it actually yeah. brought me no fulfillment because they never really actually took two minutes to think about what actually really matters to me, what's yeah. really important, and then focusing on that. Brilliant. What a great answer. And you've been a great guest, Oni. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to about your business, the Optimist Performance, or your role at PwC, where can they find out more? Yeah, I would love to hear from as many people as possible, really. So, um, Oh, you know, the usual channels, LinkedIn, just my name, Ollie Phillips. Just drop me a note, say hello. Social media, we've got at Ollie Phillips 11 on, you know, all of them, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else, and at Optimist Performance. So, um, yeah, Brilliant. reach out. I'd love to, love to hear more from like-minded people and whatever. Brilliant. Ollie, as I say, you've been a great guest. It's been a really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for the tips on Ram. Uh, I'll let you know how I get on. And, um, yeah, we'll take things from there. <laughs> Top man. Cheers, Warren. Thank you. What an honour and privilege it was to get such an honest perspective from Oli, someone who has led and performed at an international level in their chosen sports field. I thought what he said about the challenges of having to leave that structured way of life and losing that instant feedback when entering the corporate world was really revealing. It's difficult for most of us to understand what it's like to be one of the best in the world at something and then have to leave it all behind and find your role and your purpose all over again. I thought Ollie articulated that experience and that mindset well 
and I really appreciated his openness. I also loved what he had to say about the importance of shared experiences and how that creates bonds that can last a lifetime. From both a personal and a professional perspective, I think we're all looking forward to experiencing some of those emotions again soon. So if you want to learn more about Evolve, the services that we offer, our peer groups, our one-to-one coaching and other offers and services, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. You can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And if so, please do help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. Thank you for listening and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.